Welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. From piecing to quilting and everything in between, this podcast brings you tips and techniques from the experts and fun stories from quilters just like you. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Quilter Circle Podcast. I'm Ashley Huff, and today our special guest is Lilo Bowman. So thanks for being here, Lilo. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. So to start off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in Germany in a culture that lives and breathes order and organize. Uh, it is definitely in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and with 20 years of being married to an Air Force officer and 16 moves, that also is another area where uh, things need to be orderly and organized. And it was always a matter of, okay, we're in a new place, uh, new, new digs. How am I going to get all of our stuff into this space? Mm-hmm. And I love puzzles. So that's really the way that I look at organizing is trying to figure out, here's what I've got. Here's the stuff that I need to get in there. And how can I fit it into there, into that space? Right. Um, so it's dangerous um, to take me to a, a fabric store, but much more dangerous for me to go to some place such as um, an art store with all those beautiful pencil boxes around or Ikea, mm-hmm. or container store. I go weak in the knees at those places because it speaks to my heart. Um, I can bypass fabric. But boy, those little boxes of colored pencils all lined up nice and neat. They they really call my heart. Or call yeah. I was just going to ask if that makes it easier for you to keep less of a fabric stash than, say, probably me. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Um, I grew up in a, in a household where the women didn't do quilting. So quilting, I am the first generation of quilters. Mm-hmm. But both of my grandmothers were phenomenal needleworkers. So they knit, they did sewing, they did embroidery, um, all kinds of other things, and just not quilting. And I actually grew up uh, doing sewing and mostly garment construction. And mm-hmm. generally... I would be project based. You know, I would go out and let's say in high school uh, during the summers, I made my wardrobe for the next next you know fall and into mm-hmm. spring. And so I would just come go with patterns, and then I would pick out fabric. And it was I'm making this outfit in this out, you know with these fabrics. And so I didn't really have a stash to to speak of. It wasn't until I got into quilting when we were stationed in Okinawa, Japan, and the late nineties that I understood, mm-hmm. well, what in the world is a stash and why do I need to have, right. you know, more than 20 fabrics and, uh, you know, all of the things that go along with, with quilting. Gotcha. It makes sense. Well, so then who, who actually taught you how to quilt or do you have, I guess, a specific person that taught you or you just kind of pick things up on your own? Well, I, I did, um, have a project that I discovered in 1984. I was a newly married, um, wife and I was at home and I saw in a magazine and I don't recall the magazine, a, a wall hanging that you could make in a weekend. And this is now 1984. Mm-hmm. So I thought, Oh, this sounds great. I went out and bought some fabrics and it was a weekend and several weeks of cutting out cardboard templates and then hand cutting the fabric out and sewing it together. And some things went together well and some things didn't. And I found the process interesting, but I found it frustrating because things didn't match up. The points weren't nice. And then the hand quilting, I also found I I wasn't very good at it. I didn't realize, oh yeah, this is something you need to practice Mm -hmm. to get 
much more proficient in. And so I never finished that project. I just set it aside and said, okay, I'm not seeing as much uh, movement as I do with clothing. And so I set it aside. And it wasn't until I got to Okinawa, Japan, and I saw that there was a, a guild and I called them up and said, well, I'm thinking about coming, but I'm, I'm not a quilter. And they said, oh, yeah, oh, that'll be great. We'd love everybody to come. And when they got up there and started doing show and tell, and people said, oh, I did this and, mm-hmm. you know, on the machine and I used my rotary cutter for that. I thought, I thought everything had to be done by hand. And they said, oh, no, oh, no, that's that, that was way back in the dark ages. You can do anything now. So yeah. I jumped in with both feet. I really, really loved it. And the guild that I was in met monthly and they generally had some sort of project or um, a lesson every month. And then you would go and you'd have potluck. And they, they, one year, they followed along the book called Quilts, Quilts, Quilts by Laura Nouns and Diana McClun. And we worked through that whole book. And that was really where I learned a lot of my foundation of quilting because it was a sampler that you made. And every month we did a different uh, block and the technique that went along with it. And, and so that's where I really gained a lot of my quilt knowledge. Well, perfect. Well, so then once you realized that you could start using a machine and rotary cutter and all that and didn't have to do it by hand, did you immediately go out and get those things or were those still, given your organizational background, things that you didn't necessarily want to accumulate clutter? Well, what I realized was what some of the tools that I had for sewing clothing were not necessarily Mm going to work for uh, quilting. So, you know, I did go out and go get rotary cutter and rulers and um and so that was another thing that was again sort of a learning curve for me but i had several friends that had been quilting for many many years and they really helped me select items that they felt would be the best thing to Mm -hmm. start out with and you know so instead of buying every ruler under the sun they would say well you could you could do with this size or that size and then also keep in mind we were overseas in japan Quilting was still fairly new there, but trying to access a lot of supplies mm-hmm. was difficult. And they were also incredibly expensive because a lot of things are imported. Right. Um, and so the biggest thing that we did was go fabric shopping. And that I fell in love with because there were little bitty shops that were crammed full of fabric. And most of it was Japanese, which at that time really didn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. I found that it, for me, it was it looked too dark and there was a lot of dark blue and brown. And I was all excited about these bright yellows and oranges and saturated greens. And uh, so there were several stores that we went to and we would go and just go fabric shopping and bring that home. And, and then I learned from my friends, oh, if you have five fabrics... 15 is better in a quilt or 15, 25 is even better. And so then, you know, I started collecting things, but I was still pretty much project-based of buying the fabric that I wanted. And there was also the Connecting Threads catalog was a godsend. You know, every, every I don't know, month when it came in the mail, I'd pour over it and, and buy fabrics that way as well. Uh-huh. I did a lot of shopping via the mail right? as well. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. I feel like a lot of times people start out project-based in terms of buying fabric. I know sometimes I I like to think that I do that, but then I just sort of like, well, I'll round up just a little bit. So I have a little bit extra, still technically for the project, but (laughs) then I can have some more. Um, Awesome. I love it. Well, so we've kind of hinted a little bit here at your 
Um, organization is definitely something you're very passionate about, something you're very good at, um, and you actually have a book coming out. So can you tell us a little bit about it and what it's about? Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, I have a book coming out in June of this year in 2020, and it is coming out with CNT. And the title of the book is Love Your uh, Space. And the uh, idea is that it is not just just recovering for quilters, because I've discovered over the years that I've been working for the quiltshow.com that quilters do sewing, they crochet, they knit, mm -hmm. they do embroidery and beading. And some people play in all those pawns. Um, and all of the things that are required for that um, particular craft need to find a place to live. And uh, most mm -hmm. of us don't have a studio space that's huge. Um, uh, most of us work in a converted bedroom or we have the side of a, of a, a living room area or a study or even smaller and trying to get all of the things that we like to play with into that space can be an, a real challenge. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of studios are like women's handbags. I don't care how big of a handbag you give a woman, she's going to fill it up. <laughs> Whether it's a tiny handbag, she's going to fill it, or if it's a huge one. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing in a, in a studio. And, and so being able to find everything that you want and when you need it, can be really difficult because if you've got a bag of something that you stashed away six months ago, do you really know where it is and can you put your hands on it? Right. Um, so that's something, you know, that is difficult for everybody, not just um, professional quilters or hobbyists. Um, everybody struggles with that. Even I struggle with it. Right. Well, and like you said, you, you, you have a bag of something and then maybe not necessarily can you find it, but maybe you have all of these bags, but then, are you spending 30 minutes looking through each of these bags to figure out what was in them? So how, how do you approach organizing a space or setting up a space, whether it is from scratch, like you have a blank room, you can totally, you know, start from zero and go. Um, and then also how would you sort of adapt a space? The first thing that I always like to ask the person is to think about what is it, what is the kind of work that you are doing? And also, how do you like to work? So is your work requiring that you need a lot of ironing? Are you doing a lot of cutting? Um, do you want to be able to sit for all of these um, tasks? Do you like to be up and moving? Do you want your items, say your bigger pieces of furniture, do you want them to be um, movable so that you can maybe, let's say, push them against the wall when you're not needing them? And then when you want to have that task, let's say it's a cutting table and you can roll it out. Those are all things to kind of consider as well as, are you someone that likes having things out and having everything really easy visible? Or do you prefer something that's a cleaner, less distracting, let's say, type of an environment? Mm -hmm. Because that also helps you sort of decide, where do I put things? Um, how do I store my items? Does everything need to be out so I can access it at any time? Or can some things be hidden away? I shouldn't say hidden away, put away, but not necessarily in your space because it might be too small, but maybe say down mm -hmm. the hall. Right. So for example, I'm working in a um, bedroom that uh, that uh, that's set up to be an office and a studio at the same time. 
So one side of the room basically is the office and the other side is the studio. And because I'm sharing a space for two different major tasks, some of the items that I have that I would like to keep in my office, I just don't have room for. Like, for example, my books. I have a lot of books. And so the books I don't need to access every single day, every time I come in here, mm-hmm. even when I'm working you know, on a project. And so what I've decided is I have a linen, what was a linen closet in the hallway, just outside the, bed, the door where I have my books. And so they're, you know, they're close enough if I need to go look something up, you know, like mm-hmm. something on applique or a okay. design book, I can just step a few feet out, go get the book, bring it in here, look at it. And when I'm done, I just put it away rather than trying to put a bookcase in a room that I didn't have to you know, maneuver around and right. it keeps me from having space for something else. And so those are things that you want to kind of consider. Um, what are the major priorities for what you're doing? If you're, if you only paint occasionally, again, that doesn't need to be out on the table, mm-hmm. taking up space on maybe your one work surface. If that's something you rarely do, that can be on a bookshelf, uh, in a closet, it could be uh, in a cubby somewhere. Right. So think about how much work are you doing and what is it that you're doing? And so how close does it need to be? Right. And just because you're, you're putting it away doesn't mean you're putting it away forever. You're organizing it elsewhere. Right, right. So the things that you use almost all the time need to be the closest to you. If you want to think about it, um, think of a bullseye and you are the center of the bullseye. And the next ring, the things that you can reach with one hand would be the things that you would use pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say it's at your your um, cutting station. So you're going to probably want to have your rulers nearby if you can do that, your cutters nearby, um, your ruling, you know, your cutting mats mm-hmm. if you have several different sizes depending on you know the work you're doing. You know, rather than across the room. Because then it means you've got to walk across the room to go get your cutters or your your rulers or anything like that. If you're sitting at your sewing table, have the things that you use most often nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, like to have uh, some sort of a, like a mug that I put all of my little tools in that I might need. You know, a pointer tool, that purple thing, um, some pen, some marking pencils. What else have I got in there? got a a turning tool. So anything that I'm going to probably use while I'm sewing Mm -hmm. that I can just reach for very easily. I don't have to get up. I don't have to fuss fuss in a drawer looking for it. That's all really accessible right there at my sewing table. I also have a little uh, trash can that hangs literally from the edge of the table um, because that, again, is something that you know, you always have little bits of thread or pieces of fabric or whatever, and it's really easy to throw them on the floor, but then that means I have to pick them up. So you can either buy or make yourself a little yes. hanging trash can that just hangs right there. And so that also helps to kind of keep things clean and easy. And then that's really easy to toss away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like that idea. I like the the, the bullseye concept, thinking of what you need right immediately around you. Um, but you also kind of going back to when we very first started this, you talked about, you know, what you want in your space, think about what you want. But I guess aside from what you want to have, what else should you take into consideration? Like maybe you want something, but you can't necessarily have it because of, you know, budget, because you have kids or pets in the house or 
you know, things like that, what else do you take into consideration? Well, definitely budget is something that everybody has to contend with. And Mm -hmm. so my way of thinking is that think outside of the box. What have you got that you could possibly repurpose that's at your house? Or you could find something at a garage sale or a thrift store that you could use that would um, allow you to still be able to uh, work in your studio until the time that you either are able to purchase, um, let's say it's a, it's a work table. So for example, my, my um, sewing table is actually a table I found at a neighborhood garage sale. It was a Mm -hmm. kitchen table and it was solid wood. And, um, and so I liked the fact that it, it doesn't wobble when I would be sewing a long time and it was sturdy and it wasn't the color that I wanted, but you know, that's okay. You can go to the paint store and just go get a, you know, a quart of paint and paint the table to whatever color you want. And it cost in the long run, a lot less than some of the, um, specialty cabinets that are out there right? because I was on a, on a tight budget. So that worked really well for me. I then had a neighbor who happened to be a carpenter and I had him cut out uh, the machine diagram of the machine so that it could then be dropped down into the table. So it sits flush tabletop and Mm -hmm. my kitchen table, which is now my work table is a nice big space. It's solid. I can work on it if I want to wanted to use it for cutting or painting or anything like that. I can absolutely do that. So Think outside of the box. Sometimes there are bookcases that are, you know, around. Um, paint hides a wealth of other things, you know, that would be on there, like old stickers from, you know, the baby's room. Now it becomes a bookcase for mm-hmm. your books. Or it could sit on your, if it's a small one, it could sit on your desk and you could put some of your tools that you need in cubbies. Mm-hmm. You can use things like over the door, sh- the shoe bags that forget that there's shoes in them. It's now little clear pouches that can hold your, your scrap fabrics by color. It can hold your tools. It can paint supplies if you put them in cups and then, you know, you've got your paint brushes in there. So there's all sorts of ways that you can go with things that are less expensive or that are more budget friendly that would fit into your budget while you're waiting to buy that big ticket item. Don't forget the dollar store. Um, they have tons of things that are um, that are available for you, and um, so that's definitely a place. Another one that I would say, you know, container stores is the obvious, IKEA's are obvious, but those are maybe a little bit more expensive, and they may not be in your area. So I'm trying to think, what have you got that mm-hmm. isn't around? Hardware store, another one. Again, thinking yeah. not of a place where it would be quilting, but they have all sorts of storage. So if, if you're storing tools, you've been a roll in a cabinet, why couldn't you store quilt supplies in there? Just because yep. it's for tools doesn't mean it wouldn't work for, exactly. for you for your quilting things as well. Yeah, absolutely. So save, save your money for those big ticket items and go at times like when they're having a sale. There's usually mm-hmm. nearly sales. And then if you go to a quilt show, they often have specials at the show. And so, yeah. you know, fabric you can buy a lot of times, but if you really want that table, that lamp, that whatever, that big ticket, that's the time to buy it is when they're on sale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, along the same line, thinking of how to not only do things on a budget, but uh, accommodate 
other needs of the room. Because I know you and I talked about this uh, previously. I have a toddler that runs around. So I have to, I'm going to say organize, but rearrange height-wise because I need things out of reach. And so that's something that you touch on too, right? Is is thinking sort of up and being able to put things places you may not have otherwise thought to store them. Right, right. I mean, you know, uh, some people have... Like you have a toddler, I have fur fur friends hang out <laughs> in the studio, um, and then also other people um, maybe have you know a disability. They're no longer able to um, move about as easily. So think going vertical, mm-hmm. moving your plugs up so that the cords instead of being down on the ground um, are up at uh, above the table, so you can plug in and plug out easily. Your, your toddler isn't going to necessarily get them. If you mm-hmm. do have cords, um, zip ties are great. If you can strap them the cord around the leg of the table, and then they also have these wonderful devices that look like a sling, like a hammock that can fit underneath a table. So your mm-hmm. cords are hanging up and it's less under the floor. They're not, you're not getting tangled in them. The dog won't accidentally you know, unplug your machine while you're in the middle of, you know, quilting along because he's accidentally rolled on it. It also is, especially if you are um, in, in a wheelchair or anything like that, you don't want to be rolling over any kind of your cords right? Uh, in that same sense. And going vertical is often something that a lot of people don't think about, but it really gets so much up off the floor, so much up off the table, and you can still have it in view and access it, but it's not taking up space on your tabletop. Um, right. Don't always think of horizontal storage. Think of vertical going up the um, up the walls if you've if you've got the wall space. And mm-hmm. don't forget the front and the back of the door. Um, yes, so the door you can put a lot of things on. Uh, in my studio, I have two, uh, they're not folding doors, but they open out and I use the insides of those doors and I have hanging things that I've attached. And especially for those people who are maybe renting or you're in a space where you don't know if you're going to be there for a long time. Like for example, we were in the military. We were always moving every two years. So I never had anything that was permanent. Mm -hmm. Um, The command hooks are a godsend because they come in all different shapes and sizes. They hold a variety of different weights and you can hang a lot of things up. And if it's time to move, you just pull those little tags off and walk away and it hasn't damaged your walls. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And in terms of the vertical storage, cause I know you mentioned, you know, the, the whole bullseye effect earlier in terms of what you'd have readily around you on your, you know, accessible on your table, but does the same thing kind of apply in terms of your vertical storage where, you know, things that you want to get to frequently are lower eye level and then stuff you may need a step stool to get to kind of sort things that way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, just sort of thinking if it's within reach is something I need to get on a pretty frequent basis, something that's a little on the next ring out is like a few steps away. So even going vertical would be the same thing, as you said, the first mm-hmm. rung, let's say on a shelf above your work table or workstation would be something you need all the time. So let's say it's your ironing station. Um, and you would have your spray starch. You might have the iron sole plate cleaner. You have other things that are related to ironing right right there. And mm-hmm. the next one up, you might have other items that are 
things that you don't need on a on a more regular basis even though it's over your ironing it could be you know maybe some some books about techniques that you have decorative items but yes definitely mm-hmm. the, the same thing applies that going up the higher the shelf the less often you need something right and now another thing you you kind of touched on it here a little bit when we're talking about uh, modifications in terms of going vertical storage but aside from just organizing ways that you can modify or change your sewing space for things like disabilities or becoming, you know, aging in your quilting, making things still easily accessible. How, what are some things you suggest for that? Yeah. Well, I didn't used to have to wear classes and then you know, around 40, I started wearing readers. Mm-hmm. And then about, Oh, a few years ago, it got, you know, it got to the point where I had to have two sets of readers on one to read the computer and one to read, something that that was like a newspaper. And I, I thought, okay, this is getting ridiculous. I need to get serious and actually go get real glasses. Um, and so as we age or, you know, things change, our, our level of being able to see things uh, is more difficult. Maybe we've had some knee surgery um, or there are other, other things that affect us that make it more difficult for us to be able to go into the studio or our creative space. And the idea is that everybody still wants to play. And so there are things you can do to make your space more adaptable for you so that you aren't just sitting on the couch watching the world go by. Mm-hmm. And you can actually still come in and, and do some, some sewing, some quilting, uh, some embroidery, what have you. The biggest thing probably that most people don't think about is light. Um, light and the amount of light that you have can make a huge difference as to how much you can see. And so that would be one of the first things I would definitely recommend that people look at is improve the lighting that you have. Um, so having all the same light in the room is helpful also as far as if you have incandescent lights. So, you know, get those all in the same same wattage it makes uh, less eye strain to go from uh, than having you know a, a light that's really shine uh, bright in one area to a lower light in another area eyes really have to work a lot for that um, lights are not inexpensive so that's definitely one of those things to save for a sale or a show or something like that um, but if you can't see what you're working on then you're not going to have a good time and then your quality of work's not going to be that great so definitely lights the other thing that you might want to consider is that if you still uh, enjoy the quilting, but you're not so crazy about cutting out because it hurts your wrists or it's difficult, you might consider going with something like a, the Quilter Select Rotary Cutter is a heavier one, which ca- which allows for less wrist strain. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be, go even easier than that, there's um, AccuQuilt. They have uh, several models of die cutters mm-hmm. that either the crank model or there's a new one out now that's the electric and all you do is push a button yeah. and it cuts out the piece for you and then you can get right into sewing which is you know another great great option yes absolutely there's also uh scissors out that are spring action mm-hmm. so again you don't have to work so hard at cutting things out so when when would you uh recommend starting to implement these changes i know you mentioned so you sort of waited until you needed glass, glasses kind of thing. But like, do you start planning ahead for this? Or do you think, oh, I'll wait until I need it. But then does it seem like too big of an expense to have to do all these at, at once? Or sort of how would you kind of slowly transition your space into a more user-friendly space? 
Well, if you have the luxury of either a, a new build or is, let's say you're, you're moving into a new space and you're wanting to do some modifications in the house, I would say mm -hmm. that would be a good time if your budget allows to go in and do some modifications in the space where you're planning on sewing. Mm -hmm. um, for example, widening the doorway to accommodate a wheelchair that you that someone would be sitting in with their hands on either side. Mm -hmm. And so uh, not that you're going to be in a wheelchair, but you never know, maybe you have um, a surgery of some sort that comes up unexpectedly. Yeah. And then for a, a number of weeks, let's say you are in a rolling chair or a walker and you want to be able to walk through the door without bruising your knuckles every time you come through. Yeah. Um, you also want to consider your flooring. Um, oftentimes people um, have throw rugs out, they have decorative rugs, and those are things that can be somewhat of a trip hazard, especially as you're, as you're aging and your eyesight goes. So you want to move all of that out of um, the room. You want to have flooring, whether it's carpeting, you want something that has a really low pile. So we're talking almost sort of industrial carpeting, the kind that you would see in an office space mm -hmm. or wood flooring or, uh, you know, um, other kinds of flooring, vinyl, whichever. Again, it allows you to move about easily. If you're having rolling chairs, they move around on the floor really easily mm -hmm. and um, they don't, you're not going to get caught up on the, on the carpet. Yeah, in that sense. Right. Yeah. Um, also, as I mentioned earlier, if you're able to move the plugs up higher off the floor, yeah. so you're not able to stoop over to plug something in or unplug it, and that makes it much easier also for you as you're coming in and out of the room or you're turning your iron off, anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, same, same type of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the plugs, I know we mentioned this when we were chatting earlier too, um, that I had seen one time, I don't even know, remember who it was, but the, in their sewing space, they had an outlet in their ceiling for their iron cord so that it never was hanging off the floor and it was on like a little bungee and it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So yeah, if I ever have the ability to, uh, I don't want to say remodel, but <laughs> do changes like that, that's yeah. the first thing I'm going to add is those up plugs somewhere higher. Oh, that is, that is fabulous. I haven't, I haven't seen that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then also it's something to consider as you get older is to just get some of those inexpensive little motion detector lights that, mm -hmm. uh, that turn on as you, as you, uh, walk by, because that way you're not going from a, um, a lighted hallway into a dark space mm -hmm. or vice versa. And so that way you, as you, right, as you enter the light, um, comes on, it gives you enough light so that you can see where you're where you're moving about mm -hmm. and that really also it, it's an inexpensive thing the biggest thing for adapting in your space is to get all of the things off the floor mm -hmm. and away um, also thinking about things such as trash cans or trash receptacles that are not on the floor but actually maybe hang from the loop of a cabinet or something so again it's up and off the floor mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um, another thing that I, I think we mentioned when we were chatting earlier uh, is something that people can do if they need to not only organize or declutter or get their space together, but somebody who also travels a lot with their sewing and quilting supplies, whether that's to classes or retreats and things like that. How do you have sort of the best of both worlds without having to have two of everything? 
Well, there are things that are um, out there uh, and depends on how crafty you are. If you, let's say, love um, making all sorts of bags and small quilts and things, uh, uh, buyannie.com, they have a huge array of bags and totes and, and storage things that you can make and you can customize them to whatever your personal style is. Mm-hmm. They have several things that are great that that go from your tabletop workspace that would then transfer. You fold it up, you zip it up, you put it in the pouch that goes in, and you carry that off with you. You set it up when you go to the retreat. Um, you have scissors. You have all your little tools. You can even put your iron in a couple of the different pouches that they've got. And, and it's literally, it's your work table, all your tools moving from your home to wherever you're going. And so... Those can be, like I said, customized and they're really fun and well-designed. If you're not wanting something of that sort, you want to just do something by checkbook, there is um, a company called Maori and they come, it's a German company that comes from the industry of flat folding boxes that you would put in the back of your car for your groceries or bottles of drinks or what have you. And they have these wonderful flat fold boxes that come in different sizes. It's the same sort of idea. You can have this, the mini sitting on your te- on your table. It has lots of little rubber bands around it and pockets and you have all your tools and things. And you can just pop that little guy in the back of your car, take it with you. You've got those little mini tools, but then they've also got a larger one that's called the tool hobby box. And it looks like the old, box that the uh, workers used to take on construction sites. It looks like a little house mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh, the top opens and folds back. And so on one side, you've got a space with, again, elastic pockets where you can put, let's say you're going for a retreat and you're going to do some knitting, but then you also want to do some sewing. So on one mm-hmm. side, you can put all your knitting supplies, um, hold those in there, your knitting needles, your threads, uh, any other things that you need for that. And then on the other side, you're going to do a little bit of sewing. Maybe it's hand sewing. You've got all those supplies in there. The lid is magnetic and they folds together. It folds together. And then you just, again, lift it, take it in the car, take it on the train, take it on the bus, wherever, and then set mm-hmm. it up at your retreat and you're all set to go. Um, there Perfect. are quite a number of things like that. Um, so you're not having to double up and pay twice for things. Right. Right. That's always good too. Perfect. Well, awesome. Well, I love all these tips for organization and sort of making your space work perfect for you, um, whatever your own personal situation might be. Uh, so obviously you mentioned, again, you have your book. I'm going to have you say what it is again and when it's coming out again. It's called Love Your Creative Space, a visual guide to creating an inspiring and organized studio without breaking the bank. And it's published with CNT Publishing. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And it will be available in June of this year. Yes. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Well, so my last question then would be just what is next for you? Since you you kind of are wrapping this one up, what's next? Oh, I don't, I, uh, you know, I don't know at this point. Um, I hadn't even expected uh, being asked to write the book. So this has been a huge thing for me. Um, but what I will be doing is I will be on um, the quiltshow.com. We are taping in mm-hmm. Dallas, Texas in March. And I will be presenting as a segment guest on two different shows. So one will be on organizing your creative space and the other one will be on adapting your creative space. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really looking forward to that. And if anybody would like to come and be an audience member, 
um, yeah. they can certainly send me an email at lilo at thequiltshow.com. Perfect. And then the other things that I've been kind of toying with is, is possibly doing some consultation with people yes. uh, via the internet yeah. so that I don't have to physically come to your house, but that we have chats and you send pictures or we Skype to help you with your challenges in your creative space. Yeah, that would be awesome. And sometimes all it takes is, is, well, obviously you have the background and the know-how to do this, but just a second pair of eyes to look at something and offer a suggestion that you never would have thought of because you are in your space every day and you know you need some an outside person to look at it. So that would be awesome. That's, I love that idea. Yeah. Perfect. Yes, that's, I did that with one other person and they, they really enjoyed that. And so I thought, oh, this might work. So rather than me coming out to your space, we just do it via the internet, which is the beauty of the internet today. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you for being here to, to talk about organization of your sewing space and putting everything together. And again, yeah, if anyone wants to be a guest on that taping, I think that would be a lot of fun to be a part of and get to sort of witness your expertise firsthand. And then of course, follow up with you later if they want some one-on-one -on -one help from you. And of course, um, I know you just mentioned your email, but then we also have uh, a quick little bio about you with links to your websites, your contact information, and all of that there too. So if you didn't write it down, we'll make it easy for you to find. So you can contact Lilo and get some organizational help so you can have your sewing space be the best space it is for you. So thank you so much for chatting with us. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. I, I really had a, had a wonderful time. And I'm so glad my fur friend was quiet too. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad my, my fur friends and my toddler were occupied at the time. So we are good all around. It's awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.